We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 394 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Ines Braga-Sampu from Renaissance. I think I got all that right, uh, Ines, but uh, thanks for joining the show. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Hi. So the reason why Ines joins me today is that I'm giving the disclaimer right here up front. I know I have some listeners that don't love listening to the feminist stuff, and they kind of are only here to listen to and care about the men's version of things. But here's a disclaimer. With the crazy offseason for the men's first team at Barcelona over the summer, plus Alexia Boutais' injury, which I have to admit greatly hurt my heart, frustrated me, and kind of <laughs> took me away for a little bit. I haven't given the proper attention this year to the Barca Femini, so that is what we're doing today in totality. So if you're here for the men's stuff, they're on the international break, so we'll have them again in a few days, don't you worry. So today is all about the Femini, and where I want to start here, Ines, is of course with the world transfer record signing, a player that if you'd asked me over the last five years, who would who would be the, the new world transfer record holder, if you will, in women's football, Carrie Walsh was not going to be, I mean, even if you think in the last year, I don't think she would have been in what, the top 10, top 20 of that list, yet here we are at more than 400,000 euros, she arrives to the Barca Femini, a 25-year-old defensive midfielder. She's a pivot, defensive midfielder, whatever you want to call it, not really even a goal scorer, and yet she arrives to Barcelona. So could you talk a little bit just about what you know about how that deal came together? And obviously, Alexi Boutais' injury kind of is going to hang over this whole show, and I feel like we're going to bring it up every segment, but of course, that's a big part of this as well. Well, yeah, um, I think we could start uh, with the value I think the value, you know, the, the fact that it's a world record fee also shows how structured Barcelona's um, approach to the market is. Because, you know, the, like you said, the first instinct would be to get a, a super goals car, like, uh, and you have those people like Katoto or Schuller or Mirema, but they went for a midfielder because they recognized what they were missing. And in this case, it's someone, uh, it's, it's another midfielder. Um, because Alexei is out, Aitana is also having some injury, prob- injury problems, um, and you also need someone uh, for Patri Guijaro. Um, even though they have Engen, who hasn't really been able to, you know, uh, make space for herself in, in the in the Barcelona first in the first team. So I think it, it shows that they know what they're doing. Uh, they're not just throwing money. 
around at the first person that scores 20, 30, 40 goals a season. And Kira Walsh is a really, really, really good player, a really good midfielder. Uh, and she can play basically everywhere in the midfield. And uh, I mean, I bet if you place her as a center back, she would also be able to do that because she's just a really, really intelligent player. She's also technically skilled. Her long passing, short passing, long passing are amazing. Um, she's tactically also very, very good. I don't think she will be able to displace Patri from, from, from the starting lineup because for me, Patri is, uh, maybe the best defensive midfielder in the world, but she is there as a super quality option, super quality alternative to anyone in the midfield because she can also play, uh, in Alexis position. She will all obviously be a, a, a different player entirely. But it gives uh, Jonathan Geraldes, you know, different options, uh, a different player, uh, different things to play with. And I think it's also, I mean, she's wanted to, to leave uh, Manchester City for over a year. Mm-hmm. I remember when they lost to Real Madrid last year, she, there, was, there was, you know, there were rumors that she wanted to leave. And this time there was that press again. And uh, the fact that she was, for me, the best player in the Euros, she, or at least she was the best player for the best team uh, for England, um, I think that helped her case for, for leaving Barcelona, uh, for leaving Manchester City, actually. Um, and Barcelona being so keen on hiring her, I think that helped. Of course, City weren't going to just let their best or one of their best players leave for for nothing they're a very rich club so it makes sense that they would be uh strict in their negotiation and the fact uh i think it's the sum you know the fee the transfer fee is a result of all those things you know the fact that she she was so good at the euros she's such a good player barcelona needed another midfielder and city are financially comfortable enough to you know to have a strong negotiating position so that all piled up and resulted in such a high transfer fee and the fact that she can bring so many different things to Barcelona's midfield uh, either as a starter or as a sub or even Jonathan Geraldes can actually you know, can even choose to change your midfield, you know, the, mm. their playing formation um, for certain games. So I think she, I think it makes sense uh, that this was a world record transfer fee. And also, and this is a more of a image uh, thing, Barcelona have pretty much shown that they're here to stay as one of the strongest teams in the world and making you know, this breaking the world record uh, transfer fee is also a statement. It's a statement of strength, power, and um, of intention as well. So um, I think ultimately it makes sense that this they were the club to do that, to break that, that record. And um, considering the context, it makes sense that Kira Walsh would be the player to be the protagonist yeah. of such a you know, uh, momentous uh, transfer in, in women's football. Well, yeah, I think you hit all the points there, right? That it was the the number is a lot to do with the the England winning the Euros and that being that that tournament bump. We saw Lucky Martins when she originally came 
all those years ago after she had won for for the Netherlands. We saw a similar, a similar, not a similar fee. The fee was even smaller back then. And you see like the growth of women's football and what those numbers are becoming and what they're representing. And so I think this world record transfer fee is going to be broken very quickly. The next transfer window, obviously, I think yeah. whether it's Bayern and PSG or PSG, I'll say them three times, Man City, Manchester United, Arsenal, Lyon, all these different clubs who are now investing, Real Madrid even, are investing in their women's teams, right? So I can easily see one of those teams breaking the transfer fee and this kind yeah. of, again, oh, 400,000 euros is what we're talking about here. So again, it's not, say, easy, but as far as a club's total budget, it's the other reason, too, why I saw it's, you know, some galaxy brain, the smarties on the internet going, well, how come Barcelona, you know, they're in all this financial trouble, still believing those things, and then saying, how are they breaking the world transfer fee for women? And then you actually talk about the numbers here. We're not talking about millions and millions of euros. We're talking about 400,000 euros. So the budget for yeah. the feminine is... And like uh, a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken, they, there was news that Barcelona, uh, the, the women's team was the only section of the Barcelona club that actually made more than they uh than it was uh than they cost so yeah yeah they were actually bringing in a profit they were actually bringing in revenue <laughs> which is again and they also filled the camp no with ninety one thousand people twice last season so they're they are and with what barcelona cares to bring in at the gate again that's an important number the other the last thing i had on walsh was that because man city were already eliminated from the champions league uh, that also gave her the negotiating power to say, hey, I've been asking to leave. Let me go now. We're not in the Champions League anymore. Okay. Exactly. Walsh isn't the only one to now uh, the new addition to the Femini. So just running through the the other new additions here, uh, Gesa Ferra, or Gesa for short, from Madrid CFF, that not being Real Madrid, but Madrid CFF, the other Madrid team uh, that's not Atletico Madrid, so or Raya Varicano. There you go. So Madrid CFF, the one that doesn't have a La Liga a La Liga mirror image if you will for the men's version but anyway she's a 24 year old brazilian winger last year she was a joint top scorer in the league in spain last season alongside ashwala with 20 goals which again is not an insane mark but because barcelona was it was a lot of you score here you score here and sharing the wealth you didn't really see one primarily one primary goal scorer the way you used to with getting her most through the years uh, then she herself was also going to get to her later on but there's Nordia Rabano, a 23-year-old left back who is likely Anna Marie uh, Konegovic. I'm going to struggle through that one. Always, 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 always. I've said I've said Konegovic's name like a hundred times. It's never going to happen. So she is the starter. That being Konegovic and Jana Fernandez, a homegrown Barcelona player who is still just 20. She and Rabano will likely fight for that backup left box spot this season. And then other young defender in Emma Ramirez and Laia Cardona uh, Cardina are back from loan and represent more depth along the back line. So you're going to see them occasionally, but probably not in the big matches. And then Salma Perriello is the other new face. She's an 18-year-old winger from Zaragoza, from Villarreal. She was a sprinter growing up, believe it or not, winning gold medals for Spain at youth competitions, and then they kind of put a ball on her path, and they're like, oh, this works too. So uh, that is, uh, she's arriving with a lot of physical tools as well. But yeah, so a lot of young depth pieces. And so Yes, you had Walsh as a world transfer fee, but these now two other parts of this. Gesa, of course, was brought in because Arsenal was looking to replace Lecky Martins, almost like for like. And then obviously bringing in Walsh in the midfield for Alexi Butea. So Gesa as a goal scorer, as, a, as more, much more of a goal scorer than Martins too, it must, be, it must be said here, that her role and the expectations for her is where she's going to put the ball in the back of the net in, in much greater uh, effect than Martins did. So uh, Gesa 
coming in as, you know, we'll say the quote unquote big signing other than Walsh. And then a lot of other depth pieces, which the depth pieces are interesting too, because we're seeing that Barcelona are building up their academy. We're seeing Mingueza's sister is one of the stars for Barcelona B. And we've seen her debut again. It's all kind of meshing together because we're going to get to Vicky Lopez later on in the show. But you get my point here that it seems like, you know, Gesa was the player that Barcelona knew they needed. That was that attacker we're talking about. And then everybody else is kind of just a depth signing for their bench. But their bench, interestingly enough, I think it says a lot to do about the locker room, how the leaders are in their prime and they're older. And then everybody else is kind of fighting for those other minutes. And they're all very young players. I can imagine it's pretty cutthroat at the bottom there, that roster. UEFA Champions League Soccer is streaming on Paramount+. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration is underway with the biggest stars, top teams, and scariest fan bases across Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid, oh I know, defend their title against Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona, I'll say it again, Barcelona, and more in soccer's biggest club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-filled second of regulation time, stoppage time, and extra time. And stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live, exclusively on Paramount+. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Um, for some, like you said, it shows that they, they knew what they needed to, you know, the positions that they needed to reinforce. And they did that, uh, especially with the gays. Although it's, for me, it's going to be an interesting signing to, to watch because she doesn't exactly fit the, the Barcelona uh, philosophy, uh, at least at first sight. But I think she will bring new things as well and she will get used to it. I mean, I thought hopeful wouldn't be the best fit for uh, Barcelona last year. And then she was playing as, as a left wing back and her evolution, like the way she, she developed just in that season was amazing. I think she became a better player than she was before. And I think we will see that with Geza as well. When you say um, fit, are you, do you mean that in this 4-3-3 that Barcelona plays where she doesn't really fit necessarily particularly on the wing or as a center forward, but she is more of a hybrid kind of be everywhere. You know, when I see her, she kind of reminds me of a, on the men's side of things years ago, even a, a Terry Henry, where a player that is expected to score, to put themselves in goal, goal scoring positions, but they kind of need to have kind of a free role. And yet we know in Barcelona's 4-3-3, it's that attacking midfielder, whether it's Alexia or whether it was Aitana or whether it's, we've seen Patria this season, that player is the one who's allowed to be free and allowed to roam and you, you deal with them defensively. And the wingers kind of have to stay out wide in that quote-unquote Barcelona 4-3-3, whether it's the men's version or the women's version. So is that what it is, that positionally she's just not necessarily fitting? Or is it a technical thing? Or is it positional play? Or 
it's um well for me uh for me the, the free player in the barcelona uh, formation is actually mariona she's the one who you'll see uh show yeah. up on, on the left on the right in the defense everywhere it's crazy and um so that role that free role is already filled up but for me Geza, Geza, what's the thing with her is she is um, well, she's a free spirit, like I said, and uh, she doesn't always commit to that plan and that fluidity mm-hmm. of play that characterizes Barcelona. She's a more, um, you know, you think of her, she's a very quick, uh, technically skilled player, of course, but uh, she doesn't always make the right decision. And uh, with Barcelona, it's all it's all about making the right decisions all the time mm-hmm. and Gaze doesn't always fit uh that role but again i think uh with and the, also the fact that she's so, such a vertical player uh in terms of you know she and that's also why they want her because both eyes on goal and uh even she start, she's starting on the wing um but she's definitely a player that isn't you know that hasn't typical Barcelona <laughs> written across her forehead. Um, but again, I think that's also good because it gives them v- many different options. Mycens was also a different player from uh, Mariona, who she was competing with on the left. And she, also in that sense, she was a faster winger, uh, more um, vertical, more eyes on the goal. And uh, she, she, she ran... Uh, up to the line, to the to the um, to the end line, more more of a crosser than Mariona, for example. Whereas Mariona is very unique uh, player, so I think Geza, like you said, is filling up that Martin's role, although with her own, you know, with her own uh, skill set and her own characteristics and also her own flaws, which Martin's also had. So I, I think it's a, it's a very interesting signing in terms of, you know, in, in the sense that she's different. Yeah. And sometimes a, a different player uh, can fit or they can not, may not fit. But I think she will because um, I think Jonathan Geraldes has shown that he can work with the players in ways that bring up certain characteristics and certain skills that, we didn't even see the before in them. So I think it will, it'll work out. Um, As for other uh, signings. um, Yeah. It's also a matter of, you know, bringing depth to your squad because Barcelona has such a big injury problem. Their most important players are injured all the time. You see Aitana, Mariona, Alexia. Jenny was also injured. Oshawala uh, also gets injured a lot. Um, well, Martin's um, Andrea Falcone was injured just a ton, a ton, almost never played. Um, yeah. there was the other Brazilian midfielder that was, I didn't not say that I don't remember her name, but she barely played at all and she was in there for like almost two straight years. Yeah, it's been it's been a big problem. Uh, um, Graham Hansen also injured, but that was also you know, yeah. uh, a heart problem, which is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they have such a big injury problem that they need quality options. They need quality quality substitutes, and they need substitutes for those substitutes because there, there was a point last season where, where they had, I think, fifteen players players out injured, which is absurd. It's just absurd, and they really need to maybe take a long hard look at how they're doing player fitness uh, because 
it's it's ridiculous. I don't I don't see any other team in the world having such big problems with so many injuries. So yeah, they need. I have seen yeah. on, the, on the women's side of things that I have seen like there are there's academic research now currently being done at that level in 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 women's football about now the number of games they're playing. Like we talk about how the men are playing too many games. We're talking about the World Cup and Euros and blah, 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 blah. I mean, those mm-hmm. are just big competitions, the Nations League, all this stuff. And just the increased wear and tear on their bodies. And the same thing goes for the women's side of things. Because A, now these players are being professionalized a lot sooner than they used to. And they're playing more games. I mean, Barcelona is now playing twice a week, where for decades... They were playing once a week and the level of training and the level of training required. You're just seeing more ACL injuries. And I mean, the, the science dictates it out that ACL, ACL injuries per team, per player is more prevalent in the women's game than it is even in the men's game. So, I mean, those are things that we don't want to take for granted that you losing all these players to injury. And yeah, it's, it's a tough thing because even if they're recovering quicker by certain injuries, again, because people are different, doesn't mean that. They're still not missing all these players throughout an entire season. Yeah, and absolutely, depth is completely necessary for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and um, there's another thing which is um, which I was going to say, and I forgot like a second ago, uh, which is um, besides, I mean, also when players are on their periods, they're mm-hmm. much more uh, susceptible to get injured, and uh, a lot of these players, um, truth is especially the slightly older ones, uh, 25 and up, they became professional. Like, unlike the men who are, you know, go through the youth system uh, expecting to be professional. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is a professional setup in and of itself to prepare professionals. Uh, the women's game is just now getting be- becoming professional, you know, across the board. So these play a lot of these players were not um, um, developed to be professionals. Yeah, they were not developed in a professional uh, setting, uh, a professional setup, and uh, a lot of them only became professional players uh, in their 20, 21, 22, 23. So. Like these are not bodies that have been prepared for uh, the the wear and tear of you know the highest level of competition from their twelve to thirteenth birthday. Yeah. The, the, the men's game is in in that in, the, in that sense it's a lot. You know, it's, the women's game still has a long way to go to make sure that these players are uh, these women are ready for professional football from a young age because that's what happens with men yeah. um well, i think it's a perfect transition to, to, to talk about two players in particular so i know we're going to say jenny and lecky martins and layla because those are the, the big three that are, are now missing that have moved on that we're talking about talent on the field winning champions league those are the questions but down the roster too the two that really stick out to me is Melly serrano finally retiring and why when I saw her retirement thing, like very rarely does something like not even choke me up, but does something like really get me and just kind of stick with me for the day. Right. I mean, I always show people that my favorite picture of, uh, of Barcelona, anything is Iniesta sitting on the field by himself. When the, when some of the stadium lights are turned off, it's just my favorite photo related to FC Barcelona. And then the one with Millie Serrano too, kind of gets me in the way that, you know, she was a part of 
the unprofessional time she was a part of not the buses. They didn't have buses, they, the cars and taking the train to these away games, right? Like she was a part of just that. She became a professional and I believe it was 28 years old, I think it was, or 27, 28 is when she technically became a professional at, in 2015 when Barcelona's feminine team became professional. But Spain just became professional last year. So Meli Serrano was technically only a a professional, not for her own team, but in Spain for one season, and she's in her mid-30s. So for Serrano, certainly things were, were different. And when you said that about players preparing themselves for whatever comes next, now we don't have the reasons. She kept it quiet, but 22-year-old Andela Andahar, who was on loan last season, was expected to return and be another one of those options along with Claudia Pina, who is, you want to talk about a professional, she's just incredible at, at her age, but Andahar, 22, is supposed to be one of those death pieces because Bruna Villamala, another young player who was out for most of last season because of a, a, a nasty leg injury. And so there was going to be this, this trident, if you will, of young attacking forwards to try to help uh, add depth. But again, Andahar just announces on her Instagram that she's retired at 22. And, you know, I think in the men's game, if we had seen that, right, if a player retires at 20, 25 or a player for a club like FC Barcelona, you're going, how? Like, why can't they play somewhere else? Why are they choosing to do this? And again, Andahar's reasons are her own. But to see a 22-year-old retire, it's just, you know, kind of jarring because you just you don't see that uh, in, in the inverse on the men's side of things. But um, yeah, I mean, you can respond to those two. But I also want to kind of lead you into the next, obviously, chapter of this, which is Jenny Hermoso goes to Pachua because, again, I think she is one of those players that is her prime is now in the back view mirror. She knows that injuries have piled up. So she goes to Mexico. Lucky Martins goes to PSG. I've talked about on the show before, but and uh, we'll say for Barcelona's perspective, unceremonious ways where she kind of said she was going to resign. Then she didn't. And then all of a sudden she's a PSG player. And then Layla does go to Man City. It was the end of her contract. So that was her choice. She goes to Man City. But that means that Barcelona now have, in theory, a glaring hole at left back, as we're kind of describing, because Layla was just solid. She was foundational. She was just always where you needed her to be and just a quality, quality left back, even if she didn't make the headline. So go kind of go wherever you want to with those. We also have, if you want to add to it, Andrea Pereira and Andrea Falcone both went to um, uh, America in Mexico after their contracts were terminated. And then Gio was sold to Arsenal, the young teenage Brazilian, after it, well, American or wherever she would choose to play. <laughs> but after a fallout with the club, which was kind of interesting, claiming mistreatment about where she would play her international ball because she was eligible for Brazil, the U.S., and Spain. So apparently the club was kind of pressuring her to want to play for Spain, but she didn't want to. She wanted to play for the U.S. or Brazil. And so the club in FIFA, they would have been at fault, and the club came out against the accusations, of course. And then obviously with her transfer, it seems like that chapter is closed. But again, it's interesting that she had her side of the story. Then the club comes out and says, we in FIFA did nothing wrong, but of course they're going to say that. So I think that story is, again, kind of buried and gone. But still, I mean, Barcelona were able to kind of dodge that that PR bullet, if you will. But yeah, so as far as all the exits and all the exits, it is interesting to me. Ines has kind of threw all that at you. All the different ways in which these these players left the club and for all their different reasons and how each one seems there seems to be a, a story. There seems to be an interesting, different thing about each exit this summer. Um, about that, I was actually uh, I interviewed uh, a Portuguese uh, Portuguese international uh, just like a week or two weeks ago, and she said something very interesting in that uh, in that sense, which was it's because she's uh, twenty six years old, so she's been here for a lot of the historical steps of Portuguese women's football, and she said. I want to play, you know, uh, female players tend to play more, uh, you know, for longer than the men's, than the men. Um, 
but it takes loving what you do because there are so many challenges. And I think that's a really uh, key aspect of being a female footballer nowadays still, which is there are so many challenges uh, still at, at this point. Low wages still, uh, professionalization, okay, cool, but how do you do it? I mean, the, the Spanish league was stopped for a week because they couldn't start playing because of the referee um, conundrum. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have uh, the, the rigors of many teams still not having a professional setup. And that all piles on and it, it chips away at a player's resolve to be, you know, to be a professional footballer. And I imagine, I can imagine, uh, of course, I'm not in her shoes. I don't know what she went through, but I, I can imagine that Candela might have, uh, may have gone through some of that. You know, she, 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 maybe she got to, you know, to the end of the season and, and, and said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this because I don't even know, like, where uh, I'm going with this. And uh, I don't, maybe, maybe she felt that football wasn't uh, giving her as much as, as it was taking. Yeah. So, I mean, the good news is she, of course. The good news is she did come up through the academy, and so she does have a degree. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. the positive thing about FC Barcelona at this moment, and some of those, again, very, 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 very few clubs, is that they are endowing these players with kind of chapters or, or ways out of, of football. And and, she, and if she just chose to take that path, again, it's better for her. I mean, she has now, she arguably has a better job than you and I. She already arguably has a, a, a career that's going to be more lucrative. You know what I mean? Especially the women's football. Which is yeah, hard. no doubt. And there are jobs out there, like there are women's football that are applying, I mean, they're retiring at 25 and becoming engineers. And they're, and they're going to make five times what they would have made as a women's football, professional women's football player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a point where you have to make a choice and maybe women's, like where women's football is at this at the moment, maybe it's just not enough to make it choose football over uh, another career. Also with how short uh, a professional athlete's career is, you know, you'll play until your 30s and that's it. And then you have to rely on a on another plan or a new plan A, it's not a plan B, but a new plan A. And uh, maybe she was like, okay, uh, I mean, I've got this career laid out in front of me that I can take. I'll make more money because women's football still pays pays so little. And, uh, you know, I can take this path that is safer. Maybe I like it just as much as I do football. I don't know. I'm not in her head, but I can understand uh, a lot of ways, uh, you know, that, in which she, she would have felt that would have made her decide to retire from football because again the women's game still isn't yeah. half as lucrative as the men's games even again even for for, for players that play for the top clubs which is um for context, for context last year villarreal the players for villarreal made the same amount or less than players in the national league of the UK mm-hmm. pyramid. That is the fifth level, as in the semi-professional level in the UK. Those players made as much as the Villarreal players who were getting stomped out by FC Barcelona players who were making, again, 10 times, 50 times what they were making. But okay, so I, I do want to now kind of focus on, you know, that's the whole thing about the feminine though, and why I want to cover them, why we're talking about them, why I'm positive about them, because we're seeing that the feminine, and especially taking the if Barcelona play their cards right, if you will, 
you have, I mean, there are millions of Kool-Aids in the world. There are millions of Barcelona fans. And if you can get, again, we've seen 91,000 people twice in the Camp Nou. It's a real thing. It's a real movement. It's a real thing happening that people are paying attention now. So I think what's also fair about women's football to do is to kind of actually analyze the tactics and look at what we're seeing on the field. Because, you know, Barcelona, they won a Champions League. And last season, I think because they didn't win the treble, it feels like a disappointment, right? It feels like they couldn't get over the final hurdle of Lyon. And now this season, they have to do it without, likely without Alexi Puteas, who even if she returns, it would be at the very, very last minute. And I think that's too much to be expected of her at that point. So I expect her for next year. You already mentioned Pachori is moving up the field. We've already seen it so far. As you said, maybe the best defensive midfield in the world is now playing almost an attacking midfielder at times. Unfortunately, she picked up a concussion last weekend, but Aitana Banmati also missing, as you said, with her health has not been great since the preseason. And so we're seeing some different interesting things. I mean, even against UD Granadilla, Tenerife, who kind of gave Barcelona a fight. They, it was 0-0 at halftime, which again, if you're an opposition team that's not Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and it's halftime and it's 0-0, that's a moral victory if those exist. And they still lose 2-0. Both goals come in second half. And even one of them came on a deflection. It wasn't, I mean, Gaysa's goal was not like this masterpiece. This Barcelona goal it was a deflection that went 30 yeah. yards into the goal. But we are seeing a bit of Lucy Bronze, who I, I should have mentioned her as one of the new additions. How did I not? Because she was, the, we'll say, the earliest addition. So Lucy Bronze, miss speaking about her. But I, I think you could argue that, I mean, I know Carrie Walsh was more expensive, but Lucy Bronze is probably the biggest name who was added to Barcelona this season. And we're already seeing her versatility, where because Marta Torajon exists behind her in that depth chart, and Marta has been the regular starter for, for years now, that Lucy Bronze can be a right back. But in truth, she's also going to be inverting from that fullback spot into the midfield. But she can also just play in the midfield, as we saw as just put her in the midfield straight up next to Walsh because they got good chemistry. And, I mean, Bronze has a technical ability to handle that kind of role and position. So you're already seeing a lot of versatility with what uh, Gialdez has to do to try to figure out what do I do with Alexi Buteas all season long. Um, yeah, um, I think like one thing I would love to see more of is Mariona in midfield. I'm a I'm a prof- <laughs> I'm a Mariona fan. Like I love oh, Mariona. We here here in the podcast, it's Alexia, it's Aitana, and it's Mariona. That, that, that's our big three. And by our, I mean Mariana. those are the big three. I love watching Mariona play along with Alexia. And it's awesome. She's she's a she's a unique player uh, in terms of the way she, she's a disruptor, uh, which functions perfectly within uh, the Barcelona setup. But anyway, um, um, about the um, the uh, tactical uh, innovations that Jonathan Chavez will probably be forced uh, to make, which he already has done some uh, in the first uh, in the first game. I think it's I think with uh, with an intelligent skilled player he can do a lot. Um, if you look, I I don't like setting comparisons to men uh, to to male players, but if you look, for example, at Juan Cancelo from uh, Manchester City, how he's supposedly a right back and is basically everywhere on the pitch wherever he fits, uh, and you can have that with players that are both extremely extremely intelligent and extremely uh, skilled, technically. And Lucy Bronze is one of those, uh, Mariona, Patri. Uh, those players give you 
a depth of options. It's like they're they're worth they're worth two or three players at the same time. And uh, without Alexia, Jonathan Hernandez will have to kind of lean on uh, those kind of adaptations and uh, those tactical um, tweaks that will make Barcelona really gel. Because, um, oh yeah, um, truth is, I mean, you're missing your Ballondar. It's uh, you're missing the player that has been the most the, the key player for the past two or three seasons. And how do you solve that? You solve that, and especially when you, you're missing Aitana as well, and you might be missing others during the season because injuries again. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the, the I think one good thing that has uh, the last season showed for Barcelona was that uh, Giraldez is able to be more uh, vers- versatile or rather more... Um, he makes concessions more easily tactically than uh, Luis Cortés did. And um, his his game is more fluid in, in that uh, there's that structure, but his game is more fluid than Cortés's was, in my opinion. And so... And he already... I mean, what he did with Hopeful, again, she came in as a, as a, as a winger and he, she's playing as a left wing back, which, you know, can also be a great option for, um, for, for making up for, uh, Leila's, uh, departure, especially considering that, you know, Sunagarcevic, uh, I think she's a quality player, of course, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if she's a Barcelona starter, which, uh, yeah. And I think with Holfo playing with uh, as a left wing, left wing back, that can be solved uh, in a lot of games because Rolfo is such an intelligent player. Again, they're so smart, um, and I think that's been also the focus of their transfer market. You know, getting smart technical technical skill players that can play. Uh, you know, anywhere the, the manager needs them to, so they can make up for any losses, you know, injury, whatever. Um, and so I think we will see more of Jonathan Geraldes having to tweak tactically this season. Uh, I mean, I don't think we can count on Alexia to be ready this season. I don't, I think it would be unfair to her also into Barcelona itself because uh, you can't rush a player to fitness and I hope they don't do that because that's usually very 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 bad for the player long term and um, so yeah they will have to, to 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 find new solutions I'm excited for that again one thing I would like please play Mariona in the midfield because I think she's uh, I think she's perfect there yeah. and we saw some games last season where she brought uh, something entirely new to, uh, to the table, playing in that position. Um, now they have Gaze. She's able to play in the left wing as well. Also, Holfo is, is able to play in the left wing. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think these players are all... You can move them... I mean, formation is just that. It's the, the, the starting game plan. And then you can build on that uh, in any way you want. And uh, I think we will see a new Barcelona in that sense uh, that they will maybe will be an advantage um, in relation to to opponents because um, we will see new things that we weren't used to see. Because the truth is, uh, Barcelona didn't bring anything new last season in terms of how they played what they did. But, you know, it was still 
very much the Barcelona we were used to seeing. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, with the exception of Rolfo, I mean, again, Engen was the only other big name brought in. And yeah, and I think that's a good point, too, about, again, I, I think I have a, I've done a disservice to the, the, the Femini that it took us this long to really be focusing on the fact that they can go undefeated in League F, which has been renamed. Because between all the players we just already mentioned, including Rolfo, and I think, to me, the biggest way you replace Alexi Puteas is really just putting Caroline Graham Hansen front and center. And I, I think she's the best player on the team. And what wins at, at football at all levels, it doesn't matter where you're at in, in, in world football, the team, usually with the better players, wins the games. And Caroline Graham Hansen, I think by just putting her boots on and being healthy and being on the field, is arguably the best player in almost every match. I mean, I, I think, yeah, you saw in the Champions League with, um, with Ada Hedderberg. I mean, that, yes, she is just, and she's just un- unbelievable. I mean, there are, Lyon have unbelievable players. And there are some players around the other teams that we can talk about that are going to give Barcelona a fight in the Champions League. But Caroline Graham Hansen wasn't on that podium last season as a Ballon d'Or. And I think this season, you can just put her down. If Barcelona has any bit of success, if they make the semifinal of the Champions League. I think playing for her home country of Norway, that does kind of hurt her a little bit because uh, Norway just doesn't make the same waves in in the women's game that a team like, well, you'd expect Spain to do or France or Germany or the U- or England. So you're just talking about, you know, not having the same international or even, you know, the United States of America, of course, with those players. So you're, you're just having just not the same international cachet, if you will. But Caroline Grimm Hansen is just awesome. I think she could be the best player on the team. And to the point about midfield options, too, now I want to introduce to you Vicky, Lo- Vicky Lopez, who was born in Madrid, played for Madrid CFF at youth level. And again, this kind of goes to your point about how young can you prepare these players for? And again, another positive thing, as much as it, it scares you to kind of burn out these teenagers, like we see, again, with Ansu Fati and Pedri, and you worry about them at 16, 17. Same thing goes for the women's game, too. But it's kind of, again, a little jarring to see a young player, a 16-year-old player, someone who's not 21, 22, 23 in the women's game kind of doing things. But she moved to Barcelona B this offseason. So she's actually technically a new addition as well, coming from Madrid CFF at youth level. She scored, I, I want to slow, slow this up here. She scored 60 goals, 60 goals in 17 matches, 60 in 17 in the 2020-21 youth, youth league season, making her senior debut last September for Madrid CFF. So playing in the first division in Spain, is not at all crazy for her, even for Barcelona B, even for Barcelona's feminine, rather. So that said, at 16 years and 49 days, she became the youngest player to ever feature for the Barcelona feminine, at least since they became professional last decade. Of course, I think some, some things may have happened before that when it was more off the books. But she also becomes, because you can't debut till 16, the youngest player to, I believe, play for FC Barcelona since like the 1930s or 20s or whatever, because they had like a 15-year-old pop in there. So... As an, attacking mil- as an attacking midfielder, any contribution she provides this season is a net positive. But, you know, it's what I haven't seen from the Femini, because, again, they've been professional not too long, and the players like Melanie Sarano, who were around for a long time, kind of just held down the fort and were that depth, those depth pieces. But now with Barcelona's academy being what it is and kind of building up that youth academy on the, on the women's side too, now you have the ability to see players like Vicky Lopez. And I think this is the... Other than Claudia Pina... So this is really the second, where when Claudia Pena first arrived on the scene, she was 18, and I was like, oh, there's, like, this is the best 18-year-old forward that I've ever seen in, in the women's game. 
that wasn't an American that I'd been following or knew about. So this is the best like European board I'd ever seen at that age. And same thing, just watching her in one game. And yeah, it was 0-0 when she went off the field or they just scored the first goal, whatever it was. Still, to be 16, just having turned 16, and to be that good, that is just, it's exciting. It's awesome to be able to circle that player and go, great, I potentially get to watch her for the next 10 years. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. She's crazy good, crazy talented. And uh, I think there's a key difference between her uh, and Ansu Fati and Pedri, for example, which is Barcelona uh, men were desperate. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and they were... Fair. And so they, those two crazy talented players had to play all the time. Whereas with Barcelona Femini, you know, you, you can actually bring her onto the team more calmly without having to rely on her to get results because you have so many good players um, on the team that can do what she does, uh, you know, her position. So they're not, uh, she's not going to be rushed into any uh, level that she isn't ready for. She is not going to be overworked, overplayed. Um, so she has all the time in the world to grow into the player that we all know that she can be, which, uh, you know, and that is a, a phenomenal player. Um, to add to uh, Claudia Pina, I would also add Bruna Villamala. Yeah, she was 18 too. She's also, yeah. yeah, she's also amazing. Uh, the like the amount of goals she scored uh, in her debut season for Barcelona was just crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, Vika Lopez has all the time in the world to to grow and to settle into the first team. She will get her spot in the starting lineup sooner or later. She has that. I think Barcelona are allowing her the uh, that comfort, uh, that you know, uh, that wiggle room in terms of, okay, you, you grow at your own pace and we are th- there to, you know, to, to be, we'll, we'll be with you every step of the way. We will hold your hand as you grow into the first team and again, fulfill your potential because her potential is, is unimaginable. Really. Uh, I, I saw her last season play for Madrid, Madrid fifth and, uh, CFF, uh, and she was she was uh, hum- humiliating, so to speak. Uh, fully grown up players mm. with with a gal <laughs> nerve that you know you you only see in those players that are so good and also sure of their quality because you have to be sure of your quality. There has to be a certain arrogance to your game to know that you can do the things you can do um you know you only see that that assuredness that um that serenity on the field from players who were truly destined to be great because those are the ones who are like i'm not even affected by anything around me i'm just doing what i do i'm playing my game i'm showing my skills and i'm having fun on on the field and yeah, that's and you see that pausa in her game already. Like you see that understanding, that vision, that recognition of, hey, I need exactly. to slow down or speed things up, and being able to pace a game like that at that age. Like again, as you said, it's yeah, really special player. She she's unbelievable, and uh, she she can again if she's given room to grow at her own pace, she will be. You know, she I don't think she has a ceiling. Uh, but uh, yeah, the challenge is though that 
looking at the Barcelona B team, they're obviously because the investments even in the B team for the Femini are they're just slapping opponents around. So the question becomes then is how useful is keeping her down with the Barcelona B team? Is it better to have 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here? I mean, she could do both, of course, like she can jump between the two. But what's more beneficial? Where are the minutes going to be most beneficial, right? Is is it lesser first team minutes? Or is it just like playing as much in the Barcelona B team as possible, even if the score lines are just outrageous? And she's kind of again, a little bit too good for that level, right? Like Vicky Lopez at this point, her level really is like being a starter for Madrid CFF or being a starter for one of these other teams in Spanish football. But again, she plays for the Femini, so minutes are hard to come by, and you have all these other players that... But as you said, injuries are going to give her her minutes this year. Injuries are going to give her opportunities. So that's what I would say. Like, if she can continue to seize the day, we make the most of the minutes she has and, and go from there. So where we can see her, as this is kind of the final segment here, is I, I think of all the good news... Again, Alexi Buteas, that one kind of you know shattered my heart. Really frustrating. Really sad to see. But... I think the, the good news that kind of counterbalanced that this year was that it's now called League F, which I think is a little easier to remember than having to, well, I guess Pernera Division wasn't that hard. But anyway, League F, even shorter. So it's now, as I said, in its second season being fully professional. And it made even bigger news with a new broadcasting deal. And another big part of talking about the women's game is that broadcasting deals, and that is where money, I mean, I talk all the time about the Premier League or the Liga, like the big disparity is of course yes the financial institutions like as I mean, the clubs as financial institutions, but that also comes because of broadcasting revenue. Like if not, we're talking about gate revenue as opposed to broadcasting revenue, and that is what separates leagues around the world. It's broadcasting revenue. So DAZN again, uh, it's D A Z N. That's what we're talking about, but it's pronounced DAZN. They have acquired the global rights to broadcast Spain's top women's football division. We've seen the Champions League as well. So you want to watch Champions League football? DAZN. You want to watch? League F, the zone. So Spain's top women's football division for the next five years will be on the zone until the summer of 2027. And that deal gives them 240 Premier Division matches per season. Here in the US, some of those matches are on the zone, will be on YouTube for free, which is again how I watched the Granadilla Tenerife match. So if you're not willing to pay for the zone or it's not really you know exactly what you want, there's still going to be free games available on YouTube occasionally. And also a reminder, the Champions League games are also generally free on the zone. So that is now the centralized location to watch women's football if you're a Femini fan, as well as watching the Champions League, which is just awesome. Like, it's awesome to see a deal pen to, pen to paper. Here's where you can watch the Spanish, the Spanish League. Yeah, I think it's an amazing deal, to be honest. Also, I did not know it was pronounced the zone. You learn something new every day. T-I-L. <laughs> I, I mispronounce oh, miss a lot of things. So when I, when I do get it right occasionally, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's T-I-L. Today I learned. Dazone. Um, but, um, okay. Uh, well, I have to give I, you I think it's an amazing... Before we started the show, just so everyone knows behind the curtain, like we actually had a little five-minute session where you let me know how to pronounce all the other things in our show. Oh. So I'm glad, I, glad I got one thing. So T-L-I for me was all the names that we threw out there. Assuming I pronounce them right, <laughs> that's another uh, question entirely. Uh, but um, I think it's an amazing deal, to be honest. Uh, availability is so important at the moment for the women's game. Availability, 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 even more so than anything else. Uh, I'll give you an example, which for me is uh, close to home. Um, so I can watch 
every single game of the Spanish league for two euros. I can watch every single game of the cha- the women's Champions League for zero euros, and I can watch the women's Super, Super League England uh, for nothing as well with the every player. Um, and also the zone are also I said it right are also going to have the F- the FA Cup and some other games which I don't exactly remember from England uh, also. So I can watch, so technically I can watch. All of those games uh, in the NWSL also on Twitch for free. So all of that, all of that content I can watch for the, a sum total of two euros. In Portugal, to be able to watch every single game of the Portuguese Women's League, I need to pay, if I'm not mistaken, 30 euros a month, Jeez. which is crazy. Yeah, uh, and some of them are on YouTube. Others are on a public channel, a not public, open channel. Others are in a closed channel, and then there's some in, in teams channels, and it's all scattered, and it's expensive. Uh, some of them are super expensive, and um, so there's no availability there, you know. And sometimes you don't even know which games are going to to air where, which is outrageous in my opinion. So to be able to have the entirety of the Spanish league for two euros, I mean, a month, that's that's almost, I'm not gonna say that's nothing because there are people who don't make a lot of money, obviously, but that's a really, really, really good price. Yeah, it's affordable. It's really affordable. Uh, and then even so, you have a lot of the games on YouTube as well. So I think that was, it's amazing. It's an amazing deal. Uh, it brings, uh, wins, makes women's football available to everyone, which is what we need, not just for the fan, from the fan standpoint, but also how are you going to um, convince girls to play football if they don't see women mm-hmm. playing? You know, if girls see women playing, women playing football, they're going to, you know, be like, I want to, be like them. I want to be like Alexia. I want to be like Caroline Graham Hansen, who, by the way, I haven't said this, but <sighs> unbelievable. She's uh, she's the most uh, technically skilled player, one of the most t- technically skilled players I've ever seen. Uh, but you see, they see the, those those women that are growing, you know, with the growth of women's football, are growing to be idols as well. You know, they're going to be, they're, they're becoming girls heroes but not just girls also boys you know and uh that's how you get more people more young girls playing football which is something that uh, in england they talked about the grassroots grassroots level you know that was so underdeveloped still uh when they won the euros um because that's also what you need you need players you need a lot lot more players and you need more clubs giving chances to players and that's all. That also comes from the availability of, you know, also from the from the money that circulates, yes, and uh, from the growth, general growth of women's football, but also the availability, being able to see games, to watch games, to see to see women uh, women's football on the news. How do you see women's football on the news? By making games available for everyone, because us journalists also watch a lot of games on, on the t- on the TV. We can't be everywhere, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, if we can watch, uh, you know, if you can watch two games live a week, that's amazing. And eight games on the TV, then we can, you know, we can have a whole um, match day under our belt. Whereas yeah. if you make the games unavailable for everyone, then you're not going to have, uh, you know, journalists write about women's football as much as they would like to because they need to watch too. We, uh, we're not, you know, we, we can be everywhere. We don't have, yeah. uh, I can speak yeah. for the five years I've been doing this, that like when I started to do this and I would do feminine content, people not only were not paying attention, but they weren't paying attention because they physically couldn't watch the matches. How can you care about something that you can't see? And so yeah, at this exactly. point, now at this point, there's a number of people listening to this show, especially those who are still here at the end. They care about the feminine and they watch the feminine and the feminine is now available to them, which is just awesome night and day. Yeah, and how how can uh, let me just say sorry? How can women uh, change minds about women's football if they're not able to show women's football to the minds of the year that they are trying to change? Yeah, uh, you know, it's also about that. No, sorry, continue, please. No, no, no. You're you're right. Availability again, as you said, is everything. So it's one of those things I've been saying for years. Like if you put it on, if there's a way to watch it, then you'll see the audience again. I'll keep going back to it, but 91,000 people twice at the Camp No tells you that there's a market for it. And so market opportunities should, again, it's, it's stupidly, it's financial, but it is, it's financial. So this deal on DAZN, having tangible numbers that you could give to broadcasting that you can present for a larger broadcasting deal, which again, just means more money for everybody in the women's game. So a bigger broadcasting deal post, again, DAZN has been awesome. But in the summer of 2027, or really they'll start negotiating the one 2026, coming to the table with the numbers that I know that they're going to get, again, it just it resets the market. And that means the world transfer fee to bring this all full circle is going to be broken time and time and time again as more money is brought to women's football. So, so speaking of my listeners being able to check out content and availability, where can people find you available, uh, Ines? <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at ines for Simpayu. In the show notes. Uh, there you go. That's 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 where just click on her name. And yeah, just... or that. <laughs> and also, you know, Radio Nesesa, but I write in Portuguese. So uh, unless maybe that's a good chance, a good way to learn Portuguese if you want. It's also very close to Spanish. So, you know, if you're trying to learn Spanish, you can try learning Portuguese too. Well, <laughs> or you can help. Of the two percent of our listener base in Portugal. This is for you. There you go. So yeah, go Portugal. <laughs> go two percenters. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Ines, thank you. You gave me more than enough time. Thank you so much for, for coming on the oh, show. Thank you. It's a, thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So we're, we'd love to have you back again. We're, we're going to be continuing to pop in with the Femini occasionally every few weeks or months and try to get the biggest news stories that's happened. But again, the big one is how do they replace Alexi Pateas? And the answer is with a number of new players and with a number of new faces that you can now, in the other big headline, that you can now watch. So those are things to know from the show. So again, we thank you so much for your time and thanks for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Sports Barcelona. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.